first reading is from Joshua and can be found on page 216 of the Church Bible. Joshua installed as a leader. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the River Jordan into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. This is the word of the Lord. second reading is part of the letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning to read at verse 10. This is on page 1177 of the Church Bibles. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, And after you've done everything, to stand. 
Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mysteries of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thank be to God. God. And now Paul is coming to bring us the word, looking at Joshua, so we just pray for him. Father God, in the power of your Holy Spirit, take Paul's spoken words and your written holy word and transform it into your living word. As we listen, may our lives be changed to grow more like your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Morning. How are you feeling this morning? We should be able to sort that out, I hope. (laughs) Okay. Um, So, what does every successful leader have in common? Uh, This is a rhetorical question, but I hope it gets you thinking. Jesus, you know, asked over 300 questions, many of which he didn't expect answers to in the gospel. I think that it's an ability to identify and focus on what needs to be done and then to follow through with care and with precision. A leader will not be successful if they get bogged down in daily cares and if they forget their mission. So, when I was asked to give some thought to this morning, it was really around the idea of um, transformational um, passages or verses from from Scripture. So, this is a personal um, text, and I'd like to share the background behind it. My teen years were difficult. Uh, My father had a problem with alcohol, and my mother was was, uh, not a great communicator. Whilst not wild, I did try most things out. I ended up reading maths at university, but uh, failed the second year, um, largely because I'd attended very few lectures 
and didn't actually make it to some of the exams. Um, frankly, I saw no point to life. Um, I got a job as a motorcycle courier around London. Well, November of that year, I was asked by a Christian friend to spend the weekend with her and with, uh, with her friends. And I went with them to uh, the evening service. Now, I admit that I remember very little of that, except that it became clear to me that at that moment, at that time, that to take communion meant asking Christ into my life. Uh, to give up and just let him take over. And it was an extraordinary moment. It was utterly overwhelming, physically and emotionally. And you know, that led to a transformed view of the world and, and my place in it. I studied at home. I resat the university exams as an external candidate. I passed and returned for my final year. In the midst of all this, I found myself at the Royal Albert Hall at a Christian meeting of some sort, and uh, I went forward for prayer. And this was the verse that I was given, Joshua 1.7. Uh, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses has given you. Do not turn from it to the left or to the right, that you may be successful wherever you go. So this is a personal verse, and I wanted to talk a little bit about Joshua um, this morning. So we're hoping for a multimedia extravaganza. So let's see if we can find the first slide. This is um, Joshua's story. I'm ever hopeful. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to tell you. That's always a good place to start. I'm going to tell you Joshua's story, and then we're going to pull out of that three key points. They all begin with F, faith, fight, and favor. And we're then going to um, look at how this can be applied, both for each of us individually, but also for us as a group. How are you doing? Oh, that's very distressing. We're going to start out with Joshua's story. So I don't know how much you know about Joshua, but um, he lived around about 1400 BC. And for those of you that know about such things, that was the, roughly the end of the Bronze Age. Now, what was life like then? People typically lived in villages of 400 or so. Um, those villages usually consisted of mud brick houses. Uh, some of them had got, oh look, this is promising. All you need to do is trigger the actual slideshow, which is bottom right. I'm waiting this time. 
probably would have had about 1,000, 1,500 residents. Um, under these circumstances, all the people not living in the city but living nearby would have probably gone to Jericho, probably doubling or tripling the population um, because they could see the warlike Israelites heading their way and they went there for protection. So there'd have been three, 4,000 people in there. The harvest had just come in. It had been a very good harvest. Uh, there was and still is today um, an excellent spring inside the walls of Jericho. So the people of Jericho are pretty well set up for a siege. They could have probably lasted years uh, without having to come out. And that actually is exactly what they were expecting. Now, what did it look like? This is where I have a great slide for you. Um, the, uh, it was a walled city. As I said, a number of the hilltop towns were walled, and this was a good example. Um, the walls were in two stages, but from bottom, uh, it, they went up about seven, eight meters. Behind that, there was a sort of earth rampart, and then there was another wall behind it. And what I'd like you to do now is just envisage walking down the paragon and looking up at the houses, because that is pretty well the same kind of view in terms of height that the people of Israel would have had. The walls of Jericho were around about 14 to 15 meters high, and that is about as high as those houses are going down the paragon. So that's the view that they faced. That's a pretty big wall. Um, it was a double wall. Each wall was about two meters thick. So just imagine um, what that must have been like. However, Joshua had his instructions from God. They were, do six daily circuits of the walls, blow your trumpets, but don't shout. And then on the seventh day, I'd like you to do seven circuits, blowing your trumpets. And then at the end of that, I would like the whole company to give a great shout. So Joshua uh, did as he was told. And as you will know, as the people gave a great shout, the walls uh, came tumbling down. And what it says is that the people went up and into the city. And uh, looking at the archaeological evidence, what appears to have happened is that the upper walls did actually come down on one side of the city and created, in effect, a rampart, enabling the people to go up and into the city. And uh, that, of course, led to a famous victory. Um, and so the campaign began. Now, Canaan was, in those days, famously large and a prosperous region. Joshua was really up against it. You know, there was, a, there was a, an alliance of five of the Amorite kings, um, each with their own city-state, um, trying to uh, resist 
the people of Israel coming forwards, and not all battles were won, but after a period of time, uh, Joshua had succeeded under God in um, capturing much of the land, and later on in the book we read how he divided up the land between the tribes, um, sorted it all out. Uh, he himself um, was given by the people a city of uh, Timnahere, and in fact he later was buried there, uh, having died at the age of 110, which is pretty good innings, isn't it, really? Anyone got to 110 yet? No, didn't think so. Um, but that was, his, that was his work. So we've heard about his apprenticeship, we've heard about his, uh, his work, and now his twilight. Because when he'd finished this, uh, when the lands had been allocated, he went to live in the city that he was given, um, but he didn't stop working. Even in his twilight years, we read in Joshua 23 that he got the people together and he urged them to stay loyal to God and not to dally with local deities. And he reminds them all of what God has done for them. Um, and in fact, he, in his twilight years, led the people in a formal recommitment of their faith and commitment to God. Um, so it was a very productive um, retirement, I guess you could call it. So that's the story of Joshua. Now, what do we learn from it? Well, I have three key points for you, and they all begin with F, all right? So, they are faith, fight, and favor. Would you like to repeat that after me? Faith, fight, and favor. Joshua had faith, he led the fight, and he lived in God's favor. So, faith. What does every successful leader have in common? It is the ability to identify and focus on what needs to be done and then follow through with care and precision. Joshua was a successful leader and he was successful because of that, but he had faith. He was a warrior for God and it was his faith that marked him out. Here are some examples of the faith that he showed. That first battle, um, that first battle against the Amalekites. Um, at the time, Moses and a few others had gone up to the top of the hill to watch the battle, and he prayed, and he raised his hands, as was the custom, to pray to God. And whenever he was praying and his hands were raised, the battle was won, and when his hands dropped, uh, the battle went the other way. So he got his helpers to hold his hands up so that he wouldn't grow tired of praying. And we read in Hebrews that, in fact, it was through faith that Joshua won those battles. He followed God's pretty unconventional instructions in, in uh, taking the fight to Jericho. And as a consequence of that, that the battle was won, not in years through starvation, but 
in days. Uh, another battle was won when uh, the sun was held still, we read, so that they could win the battle. Just a little bit more time. Anyone else here follow Manchester United? No? Oh, dear, dear. Well, you might know what I mean by Fergie time. This is a sort of precursor of Fergie time. But it was through faith, really, that that was done. And under his leadership, we read that not one of all the Lord's God good promises to Israel fa failed. Every one was fulfilled. And remember, it was Joshua who was one of those 12 spies. And 10 of those 12, when they went to Canaan, they saw giant men and great fortresses. Uh, they saw nothing but death and destruction for the people of Israel, should they dare to challenge the people there. Um, but you know, Joshua and Caleb, they saw their enemy's lack of protection because God was with the people of Israel. It was his faith that actually drove his decision-making. So wouldn't it be great if each of us could see God's promises fulfilled in our own lives in the same way as they were with Joshua and with the Israelites? You know, God hasn't called us to live lives that are sorrowful and defeated. He's called us to live lives that are joyous and fulfilled. Faith is the first part of it. But faith should lead to action. Otherwise, it is no faith. So that's when we get to fight. For Joshua, the natural consequence of faith was action. It was to fight, to follow the instructions he was given. Joshua was told seven times to be strong and courageous by God, by Moses, and by his officers. So every battle was won in the strength of the Lord, working through the hands of men. But in our second reading today, Paul updates this. He says that for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, like Joshua's, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So today, Christians need to fight in this spiritual war, the epic battle between good and evil, and we do that fighting by faith, by prayer, and by actions. So the fight is an important part. Favor. So Joshua's life reflected incredible favor with God. He was given youthful energy in old age. I wouldn't mind a bit of that. Uh, he lived to see all of God's promises fulfilled. He was given victory over his enemies. He was respected by the people. You know, Joshua's favor was rooted in his intimate relationship with God. You think of all that time in apprenticeship and then leading the people of God and then even in his retirement, in his twilight years, always it's the same. So what does this mean to us? How do we apply this for ourselves? How does this story of Joshua from the back end of the Bronze Age 
make any difference whatsoever to us today? Well, are you perhaps like Joshua in a leadership role? I'm sure that some of you are. There are lessons to be learned in the way Joshua led, the way he listened, the way he acted, and the way he was obedient. Do you face a seemingly impossible challenge? As you next walk down the Paragon, just take a look straight up. Think how big those walls are and how impossible that must have seemed. Do you face a challenge like that in your life? Some sort of impossibly high wall? Does our faith in God lead to committed action? Are we actually fighting for the kingdom? Are you, in your twilight years, enjoying a golden retirement? Well, your role is not finished in God's kingdom. Uh, you have an important role in guiding, praying, encouraging, and leading. We see this from Joshua's life. And are we, therefore, living in God's favor? So be strong, be very courageous, and like Joshua in prayer, Bible study, fellowship. Because if you do, then you know the gates of hell will not prevail against the advance of Christ's kingdom in your life, in our church's life, and in the life of our city. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, for those of us in leadership roles, we pray uh, for clarity of mind, for a listening ear, and for your grace in our actions. For those facing impossibly difficult challenges, we pray for them for faith that you will be with them solutions can be found. And for those of us in our twilight years, I pray uh, for strength in guiding, praying, and encouraging others. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you. Thank you, Paul coping with all the technical challenges as well.